Welcome in. Welcome back. This is Polar FC on the Polar Media Network. We are back again. A little bit of a special episode today. A little something special happened uh, yesterday night. U.S. winning CONCACAF, right? I pronounced that right, maybe? The CONCACAF Nations League. CONCACAF. There we go. I was, I was close. U.S. winning it pretty dramatic fashion. So we're here on a Monday night talking it, breaking it down. I didn't watch the game live. I watched the, the highlights uh, in Boo. preparation for this. Sorry, just I, 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 I had work this morning. No, you I did. Can, you had a valid excuse. I'm, I'm, I'm just messing with you. He's watching yeah, the Mayweather yeah. fight, I think. Yeah, yeah so, feel bad for anybody who watched that. I one. was watching. I was watching Mayweather hold up Logan Paul in the ring. Chris, you could totally could have taken him out. Just I, I mean, I said that before, and everyone thought I was a fool. But you know, yeah, you totally. Uh, but I watched the highlights. I did. I did pay attention. To that they were like twenty minutes, which is. I mean, that's that was an investment, guys. Don't don't hate on me too much. I had to watch twenty minutes of highlights. That's like. You know, I pretty much got the whole game if you're watching the highlights for 20 minutes. But it was it was electric. There was a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and here we are, Chris, Vandy, KR, myself, Jacob, and we're gonna we're gonna break it down for you. So I'll I'll open the floor here. Uh, see if anyone has some uh, some takeaways. Well, first off, I think it's just. Kind of, it was kind of stunning to me how much the run of play had shifted from the beginning of the game to to the back half of the second half, and then an extra time. The first twenty minutes of the game, and I'm I'm just going to be completely frank here: the United States played abysmal soccer. I mean, they were trying to, and, and this has been a recurring frustration with me and Greg Berhalter as he tries to play like a Barcelona style tiki taka system when he a doesn't have the time to implement that, and b it doesn't really complement the talent that is he has, like. You know, the United States has some great young players, but um, if when you're starting Mark McKenzie and Tim Ream at center back, you know, that's not the time to be playing out of your own 18, especially when Mexico was bringing the pressure they did. And that, you know, was a part of the reason why it ended up being a three-hour soccer game because uh, of that opening goal that was gifted away by McKenzie. Um, but now that I've got that uh, uh, typical negativity out of the way, I want to get to the positives. Uh, the United States really – played resilient in the fact that after the first 20 minutes, they sort of calmed down, settled their nerves. Um, they started to string together a bit of an attack. The passing wasn't quite what I wanted it to be for most of regulation. Although the second half, I think they had some nice runs of play where they went like, you know, a few consecutive pushes forward um, where they were stringing good passes together. Um, I, I felt like once they sort of settled into the rhythm of the game and, and sort of taking what Mexico was giving them, uh, you saw the accuracy in the final third start to go up in terms of passing. They started to get those opportunities. And then Giovanni Reina had that goal uh, to tie it up. And then from that point on, uh, the game really started to open up. And, um, you know, also before I uh, sort of send it over to KR and Vandy, um, what Ethan Horvath did in that game in the trying to do the math, my idea, it was last 30 minutes or so of regulation and then 30 minutes of extra time it was just, Unlike anything I've seen from a U.S. keeper, I'm not saying it's as good as this, but it was unlike anything I've seen from a U.S. keeper since Tim Howard against Belgium in 2014. That is because think, put yourself in Ethan Horvath's shoes for a second. You are the backup goalkeeper, which is you know not, nothing to be ashamed of because Zach Steffen, you know, he's number two from Manchester City. 
And the United States typically had two or three starting caliber goalkeepers in their history, going back to uh, Brad Friedel and uh, and Tony Miola and, and the like. Um, so, you know, that's not necessarily anything uh, abnormal. Um, but you're the backup goalkeeper. All of a sudden, Zach Steffen goes down with an injury. You have to go in in a really tense environment in, in Denver, really tight game, a, a really testy game. And to not only be able to go in there at the composure, and I don't really fault him for the goal because, you know, at first glance, it looked like it was a quote-unquote soft goal. But on the replay, you could see that McKenzie, unfortunately, was blocking the view of the shot. And so he didn't have as much time to react as he would have. That's the only reason why he got beaten near post. Other than that, he played, you know, just an unreal game. He made like, it felt like he made five or six saves in, in that 60-minute span alone. Uh, really made his presence felt, and I, I, I was blown away even before the penalty save. Uh, and then obviously that just you know took it to another level. So Ethan Horvath, who has recently uh, had his contract expire, is a free agent right now. I don't think he'll be a free agent much longer. He has really shown us what he's capable of. And I think uh, regardless of whether you think Stefan or Horvath or whoever um, is the right long-term starter for the U.S., I think. Uh, Ethan Horvath made USA fans pretty happy. Yeah, Chris, I, I wanted to point out, like you you mentioned that, you know, slow start in the beginning. There was an offside call on, on, a, on a tight one that could have easily made it 2-0, uh, like real quick, right off the bat. Uh, I think that, that probably would have been devastating if it had gone to 3-0. That's, that's a really tough comeback, so. Definitely, definitely a little bit lax on the defensive side in the beginning, but I'll, uh, I'll let you. Yeah. And I was going to say VAR was, you know, this was like the textbook match for why you have VAR in the game, because there were like three or four points in the game. That was just the first one. You had the, the first penalty call and then the second penalty call, both of which they went to the VAR. Um, you know, I thought the first penalty was a bit more convincing than the second one, but you can make a case for it. But you know, think of how different this game would have been without VAR. The second goal probably would have stood because at first glance, it looked onside to me. And then obviously hindsight's 2020. Um, and then, you know, the whole thing with the penalties, it, yeah. it would have just. Neither completely... of those were called in the, in the run of play. So it no. really was a big, a big day for VAR for sure. Yes. And, you know, I think that that just goes to show how much soccer is a game of inches. Um, and, you know, I thought the United States did a good job of regrouping and for what it's worth on not exactly a Greg Berhalter fanboy by any stretch of the imagination. I think the United States long-term are probably better served with a different manager. Um, you know, if they had lost this game, I'd be uh, uh, jumping aboard the Jurgen Love uh, uh, fan train, get him over to the U S I mean, Hey, we've hired Germans before had mixed results, but he's won a world cup. So, um, but now that I've uh, stand the Bundesliga enough, uh, um, you know, I, I thought that Greg Berhalter, you know, for all of his flaws, I thought he made some good adjustments in terms of what substitutions to bring on. Um, you know, the one guy who we didn't see who I kind of thought we would was be Eunice Munsa. Um, I think having two injury substitutions kind of messed that up. And obviously we've got the gold cup coming up next month. Uh, so I think we'll see Musa uh, play a role at some point. And I was, I was a little bit surprised not to see him at all, but um, I think, I think his time is coming, but. Um, a lot of young talent on this U.S. roster. And, you know, this was sort of like a proof of concept that um, when this team, this group is gelling together, they can do some pretty special things. KR, Vandy, any takeaways from the game? 
One thing uh, that I've been trying to find with this U.S. team is who's going to be the leader. Um, they have a lot of young talent, obviously, and it's kind of going to get to a point where who's going to wear the captain armband? Well, they gave it to Pulisic, the de facto best player on the team. Um, but I like the leadership from Weston McKinney when they were getting, you know, thrown beer bottles at them, people just throwing shoes I saw. It was just crazy. Um, and the leadership he's shown there, he got into it with Guardado, the Mexican captain, but the leadership he showed there was what you want to see going forward for, for um, future tournaments. Um, everybody's been talking about how America really needed to win this tournament, not only because um, they, they need to, to, to get on you know a hot streak, but also to build the image for the team. I really thought that was really good. I like the way Pulisic played. Obviously, I'm, I'm Chelsea biased, but overall, he had a fantastic game. He didn't force it too much drew the defense in, and he took every corner on, I believe, was that left-hand side, um, and he assisted uh, McKinney um, on one of them. Ochoa made a fantastic save on another one and then uh, had the game-winning penalty in the 114, just madness. Um, I really, yeah, I really liked the way he played, really happy with with what, what the, the, the youth of this team showed and demonstrated. I'm just... One thing I had on the side was like, what is the use of all these uh, these these tournament names? And because this is the first inaugural Nations League tournament, and it's supposedly supposed to be forty-one teams in different league levels, like an A level, a B level. It's supposed to be played at the the quote unquote international break for the for the European leagues, and it's just like, man, this just adds on to the workload that players uh, from the from North America will will now have, but. What a tremendous game. Um, I, I really like uh, the the substitution of Lainez, that 20-year-old that left footer from, from Mexico um, playing in La Liga. I think he's going to be a star to come. Um, and it just showed, like, this rivalry runs deep. Uh, Mexico has been dominating the U.S. of recent, but it's good to see that the, that the country who should have the upper hand um, in terms of talent, they have a plethora of talent, finally, you know, get the job done for once. Yeah, and, you know, well, first off, I just want to say, Leonez was by far the one player, whenever he got the ball, I was like, oh, shit, what's about to happen? Um, and I think the United States learned after that goal that they couldn't really play off of him a couple of yards. They really had to get up in his grill anytime he uh, uh, got possession in the final third. Um, and I think the United States as a whole got more aggressive defensively as the game went on. Um, for a team that started off with a, as bad of a defense in terms of giveaways and whatnot, um, uh, that I've seen in a while. Uh, they really recovered nicely, had some critical tackles, did a good job getting bodies in front of shots, just playing very physical defense. Um, and, to, and to your point about McKenney, um, this guy has a, a kind of a, I don't want to say a mean streak per se, but he, he has that kind of aggressive in-your-face mentality that we saw out of guys like Clint Dempsey last time the United States was consistently good. And, uh, you know, I think that the United States needs that because, even as they get more, you know, technically, technically they improve and, uh, you know, hopefully the tactics come along as well. And, uh, you know, I think this new generation has potential to be the best ever. Um, you know, there, there's something to be said for that kind of attitude, especially when it comes to CONCACAF, which if you guys thought this game was rough, the Honduras game was an absolute bloodbath. I don't know if you guys saw that at all. That game was a bloodbath. Like it was, it was unwatchable. It was unwatchable. And, you know, I mean, Kind of calf just is what it is at this point. It's probably not going to change. So, um, you know, just 
it's just unfortunately how it is. But uh, I thought the United States bounced back and they were sort of learning how to play that style because for most of these guys, most of their experience came from Europe or European friendlies for the U.S. This was their first real look at competitive CONCACAF ball. Um, so I think that was a bit of a learning curve and they improved as it went on. Yeah, I think we saw that learning curve on both ends of the field too, right? Not only from the USA, but also Mexico. Uh, you guys brought up Diego Linus. Where, uh, I think he plays for um, Villarreal or somebody in La Liga. Um, I thought it was Betis. Is it Betis? Yeah, Real Betis. Yeah. yeah uh, so Musa's like, the one okay. that plays for Villarreal. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, he, you know, again, he didn't have that much success so far in La Liga, but, you know, watching him on the pitch against the U.S., it kind of reminds me of Chucky Lozano or, you know, Chicharito going out there and, and kind of just being a menace to the U.S. And, and, you know, whatever the U.S. is trying to do in defense. And on the other side, um, I completely agree with you, Chris, and, and you brought up that, I guess, factor of growth that we've seen from the U.S. team, right? Uh, I, I think the first thing... I saw or I thought of when they won um, and, and, you know, they finally were able to defeat Mexico in, in the finals of the CONCACAF Nations League was about damn time, right? We've been waiting for this for a really, really long time. Uh, this type of success, this trophy, uh, we've, you know, we've waiting for the U.S. to be on the forefront of soccer for a really long time. Uh, and it just makes me happy knowing that, this team, the average age, I think this is a stat that I'm probably going to look up for all teams now. The average age for this team is 23 years old, which means we have at least eight more years, which is two more World Cups. You know, that's that's like the first thing that I'm thinking of. This yeah. young team who's finally grown, we have a lot more years to go. Not to interrupt you, real quick, Pure. They said that this USA team was the youngest that Team USA has ever fielded for a final, ever. So if you're a you know, Team USA, Homer out there, that should really open your eyes. Um, you just got to be patient, but the future is bright for, the, for these young stars. Yeah, and, you know, I, 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 I want to, you know, sort of emphasize the point I made a moment ago is, um, like I said, CompuCAF is another level, and I think you learn that, you know, going back to the Trinidad game. Um, obviously, you know, no, no excuses for losing a Trinidad, but you also got to keep in mind, the field that they were playing on was like flooded like the day before, like they had to like almost cross, like not quite a boat, but I had to like build like a de facto bridge to make it to the playing surface. Cause there was like a canal around it. Like it's just the road conditions. And, and that's the one thing they still haven't experienced yet. And they'll experience it during qualifying the road conditions at some of these CONCACAF or most of these CONCACAF uh, teams are just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, learning to play through that adversity is going to be huge, but um, you know, for a crowd that you know was a, a good mix of USA, Mexico, and um, some things were thrown on the field that probably should not uh, be thrown onto fields. Um, you know, obviously that there's no place for that, but you know, um, it was basically what Russell Westbrook and others have had to go through times a hundred. Uh, multiple players even got hit like directly by the objects, and it was just it was just a mess. Um, but unfortunately, not the first time that's happened. I was going to say, you know, it's nice to see all these like third world countries and, and you know, compete for a tournament like this. But at the same time, we even had USA fans and, you know, fans from Mexico do the same things to each other. And that, I think that's just a border that shouldn't be crossed when it comes to especially playing in a final. Um, but 
I don't know if you guys ever got to see the uh, video, but there was while they were doing, I think, the halftime report for the extra time, there was a person who ran behind the set and literally jumped off the balcony. Uh, and like nobody knows like what happened, but it was like the craziest thing that happened. I was uh, I was literally watching and some dude just jumped off and they're like, OK, sorry about that, guys. And I was like, hmm, like that's the type of game we're playing. OK. I mean, this rivalry brings out something in both fan base. And obviously, we hope the guy's okay. I think I think he is okay because, like, I was reading about it on Reddit. Um, and they basically said, like, the setup they had was, like, it was basically, like, a platform that was, like, a couple feet higher than, like, the, like, concourse or whatever it is at that stadium. So, like, it's not like the guy fell, like, down to the field or anything. So, from what I could figure out, I think he's probably not, not in too bad shape, but – uh, fingers crossed, but that just goes to show you like how crazy that atmosphere was. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I would have wanted to be there. Cause on the one hand, it was an amazing win, amazing yes. performance and all that. I would have wanted to be there for that, but do I want someone three rows behind me to dump their 16 ounces of beer on me? That's yes. probably a no go. I, I don't, I don't know if I would, I mean, I probably, if given the opportunity to go, I probably would have gone, but that kind of dampens the experience a little bit. That was not intended. Poncho, Chris. No, all right. All right. I was going to say, you just turn around, open your mouth, you get free beer. Okay. <laughs> just get an umbrella. Whenever um, Christian pulls, like decides to start uh, mouthing off at some L tree fans. Exactly. I wanted to, to bring up one thing. I know Vandy, you touched on it here, but I wanted to see if I get everybody's opinion on, you know, who are you most impressed by? Who are you looking forward to see on this U.S. team? And I think with with some of the youngsters coming up, there are there are some players where you could say, all right, we actually have like some star players, some players that actually get talked about outside of just the U.S. Guys like Polistic, guys like Dest, guys like Reyna and McKinney, they're all kind of making their – history making an impact on the leagues that they play in just outside of international play. And I think that that puts them on a, on a different level than some of the talent that we've had in the past. And Vandy, I know you brought up McKinney. I, I definitely want to second that just from, you know, watching some of the highlights, it seems like he was involved with a lot of the chances that the team had and I and I second like the leadership aspect as well. So that would that would be my pick, but uh, I'm interested to get you guys' thoughts on it. I think I'm I'm gonna I maybe go with a hot take here and I think it's gonna be Gio Reyna. Um it's I think that's a player that we've seen already grow as an 18 year old. You know, we've seen him struggle earlier on in this uh, Nations League. Uh, people question, you know, even friendly games as well. People question his defensive skills. And when it really mattered, he stepped up. Uh, and he stepped up in a big way, providing, you know, a goal for the U.S. Um, he's a third 18-year-old to score for the U.S. against Mexico. And the other two were Landon Donovan and Josie Altador, two names that, you know, a lot of U.S. fans are going to remember for years to come. So um, I think... And that's his third goal that he scored in his seventh cap. So he's making the most of his opportunities. And I think him still playing in the Bundesliga uh, under Dortmund, I think he's probably still going to have, you know, similar opportunities where he's going to probably be in very competitive matches against with Bayern. And that type of competitive nature is going to bring out a different type of Gio Reyna, I think, and eventually hopefully grow that 18-year-old player that we're seeing right now into a worldwide superstar one day. 
Yeah, I was going to say I'm hard pressed to bet against, um, you know, teenagers that make it to the first team at uh, Borussia Dortmund. They tend to have a pretty good track record. Um, but I, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, we know what and Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney still have some room to grow for sure. Um, but we know what they're capable of now. Um, they're both, you know, people, guys who have already established themselves as, uh, as you know, the future of the U.S. men's national team. Um, but Giovanni Reyna, I feel like, has a different kind of a ceiling because he's 18 years old. He's already contributing on a very good uh, Borussia Dortmund team. I mean, you could make the case that, you know, at least from an attacking perspective, um, Jacob, yeah, you're the Bundesliga guy here. W- would you not say that they have more attacking talent now as a whole than they did when Pulisic was starting coming on the scene there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's fair. Whipping and crosses to Erling Holland has its benefits uh, for a player's development. So definitely, um, I don't think anyone's complaining with that. Yeah, and you know when uh, Giovanni Reyna gets a couple of years older, you know matures, maybe uh, gets more physicality, maybe puts on a couple pounds, you know, and you know eventually, um, you know, steps up to a next level, plays some Champions League minutes, gets a transfer to Bayern, uh, you know, do all these things. Um, then I think he has a potential to you know wow. take it up to a next level. You're like how oh, I slipped that in there. Wow, it's a pretty it's a pretty good bet uh, given recent history, but. Uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make is I feel like his ceiling is higher than um, was previously believed. I, like, I think he could be as good, if not better than in Christian Pulisic. I'll say that right now. It's possible. I think, honestly, that's like a fair statement. And I think you, at this point, you might as well slate Dortmund as a pipeline to Bayern, right? Pretty much, which is weird because they're also rivals. But, you know, money talks. So the only thing I would disagree with there i think that he has a high ceiling but i think Pulisic long term will be better than him um okay the difference is is because of the league i mean he's only he's only you know a youngster but playing in the german league and playing in the english premier league are two different uh animals like you have a lot of players who have come from the Bundesliga and then went to the prem and then like struggled you saw with chelsea Havertz and Werner did not play well this season uh, they underperformed for their price tag. Obviously, Havertz finished off what's going to live in the hearts of a lot of young Chelsea fans for that uh, Champions League win. But for a large part of the season, uh, both of them were struggling. But Pulisic, who was somebody who was in and out of the starting lineup, he was out of favor with Tuchel at the beginning. Whenever he was given minutes, he made a, a very strong impact. Um, obviously, he's 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 20, 22 now. Um, he's a lot older than, you know, Reyna is and is a lot further along his development. But I think I need to see Gio in another league um, and I need to see him with more of a responsibility. You know, uh, that's why that, that's the only reason why I say that. But then again, maybe this is me not allowing him to develop as a player, but he definitely has what it takes to, to get to the top. Um, and it's not too far fetched that he could be better than Pulisic, but I don't think it's going to happen. What if he ends up at Chelsea, huh? Nah, we're, I think Chelsea is at a point where the players that they will get, they will transfer in are established players. There's literally no need for young talent. Like I mentioned in the last uh, episode, we have a wave of young players ready to 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 come in and be and be effective. I don't think we, I don't think we need somebody like him unless he just goes on a monster a monster stat run like. Our, our midfield is pretty intact. We just need to, you know, bolster the defense and have a deadly striker. But I don't think 
we need a player like him right now. Unless he does something that we can't see. Like a Jude Bellingham, obviously he's on he's on then him and Brandon play together. That's who I would want. Um so I don't think I don't think he'll end up there. I don't think yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, to your point, I think not everyone's play style necessarily fits the Premier League. And I think it might be a case where Reyna might be better off staying in the Bundesliga, even if long term he's not at Dortmund or go somewhere like, you know, I think he'd be a great fit in La Liga, too, for what it's worth. Uh, I think he has the technical ability to succeed in that league. And, and he could be good in the Premier League, too. I mean, I'm, if I were his agent, I'd want him to go to the Premier League because you're going to get a, a much better marketing deal as a uh, marketing to a U.S. Uh, fan base if you're playing in the Premier League than if you're playing in La Liga. You know, that's just the business side of it. But um, I think that um, in terms of ability, I think the sky's the limit. I, I think, Vandy, where you and I sort of disagree is I think you feel like Pulisic has like a, a lot, lot higher to go potentially. And I think that I think he'll improve, but I think he's pretty close to what he'll be, uh, which is which is a, which I wouldn't necessarily argue is a bad thing. I mean, he's already um, in terms of talent, if not accomplishments, because he's young and hasn't played in a World Cup yet. But in terms of talent, I think you, you, you could very easily make the case that he's already the best U.S. player of all time so far. But do you um, think? Do you think he can become like a hundred million dollar type of transfer? That's the thing. I'm not a hundred percent convinced. Like, I think, I think he can be like the, in terms of attack, like the second or the third option on a team that competes for a champions league title, which is, you know, pretty much where he is right now. Although I think he could be a little bit better. I don't think he'll be on the level of, you know, an Mbappe or a, or, you know, like even like an Aguero or something like that. I think he'll be like, a notch below that, which is still very good. And given the other young talent that's going to be developing around him, I don't think the U.S. necessarily needs him to be at that level because he's not going to be carrying them the way he had to in 2018 and 2017 and uh, that whole World Cup run. Um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of young talent coming up around him, uh, a lot of whom are already playing big minutes at big clubs. Uh, you know, you talk about Serginio Des, obviously Weston McKinney over at Juventus, uh, Gio Reyna, um, you know, working his way up at uh, – Borussia Dortmund. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before that supporting cast really comes into form. I can't wait to be watching this team playing uh, in the World Cup in uh, December of 2022, um, which is, you know, crazy to think about that they put the World Cup in the winter. But, um, you know, just another, I think it could actually benefit them, though, because I think an extra six months could make a lot of difference in terms of these guys' development. Um, so I think that actually plays in the U.S.'s hands. But, um, my, t- my key takeaway is, you know, some learning curve for sure. I think the coaching still needs to improve quite a bit from Berhalter, but the general outlook is very promising for this U.S. team. So. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the moral of the story, Chris. This whole time we've been saying, all right, we got some youngsters. We have some talent. I mean, we're right now, we just, just – on the on the verge or just finished up winning a international competition and we're sitting here saying all right we still have a long ways that we can improve and i think that's a really good sign for the u.s team that we're not sitting here saying wow i can't believe we're able to come and win an international cup we're saying all right look what our youngsters can do look at the potential for the future because yes you know, international cups are nice, but, you know, we do want to see the team performing at World Cups. 
and larger competitions and getting on to those stages where they're playing against the top teams in Europe uh, and across the country. So, you know, this is certainly a step in the right direction. And yeah, just to reiterate, you know, it's, it's exciting to see the U S compete at that level. And it, it seems like we're, we're uh, all things go for the future. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And, you know, two things I want to, two points I want to make one. Um, and and the, one part of this is, you know, just the general weirdness of COVID is not only was this the first like competitive us Mexico game in two years, it was the first competitive match period in two years. Cause there weren't really much of qualifiers. And I can't remember if there even was one. It might've been like against like St. Kitts and Nevis or some random uh, uh, Island with seven people on it. Um, but you know, there was no, um, World Cup qualifying, no, like, you know, 2016, they played in Copa America, which is like the last good tournament that they had. Um, and, you know, what I would give to see this uh, group playing in Copa America, even though I know it's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, and a lot can happen in two years. And this group is in some ways still learning to play with each other because of that long layoff with COVID and the weirdness of the few times they've had international windows, not everyone's available. Um, there's certain quarantine regulations. You have either all MLS players or all uh, European players. Um, and, you know, now we get to see them finally have some ability to gel and grow together. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that is I'm more excited by what they could be than what they currently are. Uh, I think that will be my closing statement here. And then I'll let everyone else get their thoughts in. Couldn't agree more with you, Chris. Vandy, KR, any any closing thoughts for us? Are you guys? You guys excited along with uh, with everybody else here? I think I still need to see. I need to see dominance. I don't need to see. Um, like obviously Mexico in the in the grand scheme of things, they're um, a talented squad, top seventy probably in the US, in the world rankings. But I need to see that. I need to see US like have a clinical game where it's just like they're clearly superior. It's like let's say they play a Canada, right? in the Nations League, whatever the next time they play. I need to see, like, a 4-0 win. I don't need to see 1-0. I'm not satisfied with that. You shouldn't be satisfied with that because their talent pool is just way far superior to most North American countries. So once they get to that level of repetitive dominance, um, then I'll start to do it. Okay, this is this is this is the they're starting to get into the rhythm. This is this is where they need to be. But when they keep teetering with these two one games and one zero loss to Honduras, I don't care if Pulisic does plays. You can't do that. Or what is the two one loss? Whatever they, however much they lost by, that shouldn't be a loss. It should be a win every single time. So once they get to that type of level, then I'll be like, okay, the future. They finally are on the cusp of this future that we've been talking about so much. Okay, or any closing thoughts for us here? Um, I think the one thing that I'll probably take away is a lot more eyes are going to be watching this team going forward. Uh, now that, you know, they've kind of um, engraved their name in the inaugural CONCAF Champions League trophy, they uh, a lot more people are going to be watching them, even though, you know, they might not have been before. And I think this upcoming Gold Cup is going to uh, kind of set the – um, precedent for going forward. Um, I know it might not be the biggest test or, you know, the most accurate one in terms of international play, but um, it's going to be another challenge that's going to come on the U.S. But again, I think I, I'm still on that boat of excitement. Uh, I'm hopeful, you know, I'm optimistic for this team to kind of see where they go. Um, they've kind of shown me all they can so far. 
that, you know, they're a competitor. Uh, they should, you know, be talked about. And I think going forward, they're probably going to turn a lot of heads and hopefully, you know, even change Vandy's mind one day uh, and get him excited to get this team to, to um, you know, the international main stage, hopefully. Well, fingers crossed that the U.S. can get there. We're, we've all been uh, – I, I, I'd say we've all been hoping that the U.S. can – you know, get to the level, get to the pedigree that some of the European countries have. Um, and I think that international play definitely factors in there when it comes to, you know, the importance of soccer or football in the country. Um, so, yes, certainly excited, certainly looking forward to some more matches. And, yeah, that that's about it for us here on the U.S. special episode. and. But uh, keep it, keep it uh, tuned to us. We'll we'll be keeping you up to date with all the latest with the U.S. I'm sure as as fingers crossed we move closer uh, to being a top level team. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.